And now you're listening to the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. Here are your hosts, Joe and Nick. All right, welcome everybody. Episode 10 of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show. What's going on, Nick? What's going on, Joe? We actually made it to episode 10. I wasn't sure I wasn't sure how it was going to go, but uh it's going pretty good so far. So far, so good. Um we who have we? uh what's that? No, I was going to ask you who do we have on tonight? Well, I will get to that in one moment. Okay. I just want to remind listeners that they can uh, follow us on our Facebook page and our Instagram page. If they have not already done so, um, go check us out there and follow and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Tonight, to answer your question, Nick, we have a friend of mine, Ron Miller. Ron used to be okay. uh, work in radio, kind of like Lance does. Um, have not spoke to Ron in a while, so we got to see what's going on with Ron. But uh should be a fun conversation. He's a musician, radio DJ. Cool. So let's give him a call. Okay. What is happening? What's going on, Ron? How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. What about yourself? I'm doing well. It's been a while. Yeah, no kidding, man. I'm like, uh, I'm like sitting here going, "Wow, I don't even remember the last time we saw each other." It's been a long time. I know we spoke to each other when I was out there in California, and you were in uh, Reno, I believe it was. Yep, did about seven years in uh, Reno. Loved it. Absolutely yeah. missed that place so much. Well, we're going to talk about that. Um, I'm not sure if you've checked out the show or not, but I have uh, our guest, our my co-host, not my guest, my co-host is with <laughs> me, Nick. Okay, Welcome, hey, Nick. Welcome, Ron. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Well, you do yep. have that radio voice. <laughs> oh, well, many, many years. Plus, it it, it, it sure helps that I got a, a nice uh, Retro Valley processor and a, <laughs> and a nice mic, too. So, That's yeah, cool. I do. Uh, I actually do radio from uh, from here for Fort Myers. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you're so working I, in radio still? Uh, yep. I, uh, I took two years. Oh, after. Uh, it's funny because I saw it. I kind of looked through to see who you had spoken to recently. And I was like, oh, there, there's the show. And uh, Lance Hale, I actually, <laughs> he turned down the job at K-Rock here in Fort Myers. I replaced, uh, I was his backup. So I was second choice to Lance. <laughs> ah. oh, so you were behind Lance, huh? I was. I was. I guess we were the top two and uh, Lance had a history uh, in, in town. So they gave it to him. And uh, for whatever reason, personal reasons, family reasons, he couldn't do it. So. Okay. You know, okay. Are you working for a station now? Yeah. 93X here. Oh, okay. I uh, uh, dropped out. I'm sorry. I guess I tried. It's late. Uh, sidetracked two years off. Uh, I wasn't going to go back for a while, and uh, I became good friends with, uh, real friendly with 93X here. And uh, they were like, anytime you want to come back, anytime, we'll we'll let you. Uh, they go, we want you to come on here. So I did. What 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 times do you do? I do Saturday, Sunday, two to six, and okay. I do a lot of their fill in because I'm so flexible because I can do it right here from the house. Right. So you like yeah. doing it from the house better than the studio? Okay, at first, no. Now I freaking love it. I, uh, I, I guess you know once you, once you get into a place, and you get comfortable, and that's what I've done. I've got all my. I don't know if you can see. I don't see any of you guys anywhere. Um, I've got you know. Well, usually side- we we do 
we do audio, yeah, but no, you no. are doing video. I, I do see oh, okay. you right now. Well, that well that that will drive me nuts. Then let's do let's do just audio. Then I because I keep wanting to look down and I don't want to do that. I do radio. Yeah, you, you're not looking at anybody with radio, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you do that? Oh, you gotta I gotta answer it differently, don't I? No. Well, no. I you think you have... can turn your camera off somehow. Yeah, I'm not gonna worry about it. All right. It won't annoy me that much. So yeah, I get to, I'll get distracted easily. I'm used to reading my stuff or staring into my mic. Yeah, no worries. You know, we, we do it through Skype right now. We do this show. I don't know if you how many shows you've listened to, but we've always had technical issues with the telephone connection. Yeah. Do you know a way that we can take telephone calls through Skype? Actually, what you do is you have to run it through a board. I haven't done a full. I've done it more on my recording software because obviously I built this studio to do everything. Uh, I'm recording drums. I want to be able to do phone calls. What I've done is uh, I just patched my phone through my board here. I've got a, uh, a Yamaha. It was, it was the board from steel can alley. And um, I just run it right through there. And then the audio goes right into my focus, right. And um, then into Skype into the computer. Okay. My interface. You get that Joe? Are you, are you just running a mic straight into your computer? No, I've got my little Yamaha interface. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, the, it, the issue is I can get a phone connected. Nick can hear the phone call, but the phone caller cannot hear him. Yeah, can't hear me. Yeah. Ah, that would make sense. Um, so trying to it, think. So if it runs through my board, yeah, somehow, somehow you have to be able to run it because I can run audio into the board and that would be the feed from Skype. And then that would feed the phone. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if you got the phone plugged in, cause I wasn't even hundred percent sure how the phone was able to recognize the microphone because I'm like, well, I plugged in the damn, you know, the eighth inch into the phone, plugged uh, the phone with RCA cables uh, into the board and then the audio was through my microphone and I couldn't figure out how that just by default happened. So you, so you've had a Skype caller and a phone call on at the same time? No, no, but it, it should theoretically work the same way. Cause if it's going through your interface, whatever is being fed into the interface. Oh, I see what you're saying though. The return. Yeah. The return would not be right. Well, my audio out on my interface, I run it to uh, the computer. USB, but I also run the out into the board. So theoretically, that should work. Does yeah, that make sense? Know. It does. Uh, kind of. We haven't had any luck. <laughs> yeah, because, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe we can talk about it sometime. I'll call you off the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. And, and listen, I've done all this by trial and error myself. I just, I've had all this equipment and then I just updated some stuff, um, you know, just kind of trial and error, doing some reading and some YouTube. And somehow it just, it just got to work. Brian, who I used to do the pit with, we've talked about, he's in DC. We've talked about, you know, doing a, a podcast, more of a, for fun kind of just, you know, two, two old guys jacking off on their yesteryears, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I still got a lot of connections and I'd like to put it to use. I mean, I, I've got this, I want to have fun with it. So as well, that's what we're doing here. Nick yeah. is down in Fort Myers by you. Oh, no shit. No, yeah. I'm actually in Port Charlotte, but yeah, close, yeah, to you. yeah. close, close to you. Yeah, you still, I uh, actually, that's where 93X starts petering out, I believe. I think uh, right around nine, uh, right around Port and uh, Port Charlotte, Northport. Oh, yeah. 
you start losing it. Yeah, ninety three point seven. That's that's what I do Saturdays and Sundays. Mo- most Saturdays and Sundays, two to set, two to six. Okay. You know, so Ron, when when I heard you were coming, going to do the show, mm-hmm. I was thinking about it, and we've known each other a long time. Yeah, and I've you and I have talked on the radio. You were on the host side though when we spoke on the radio before, um, but I realized that. I know quite a bit about you, but I don't know a lot about you. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's probably by design. I mean, I've I've lived an open book. I've been in the spotlight since I was 16 years old, but I've done so many different things. It's funny when I look back as my my career and my life is so segmented. It really, truly is from the hardcore punk rock days, which will seem to never go away to the rock band days to uh to a radio career and then a radio career in Reno that no one knew anything about this kid from Florida. Zero. Zero. Right. And I had to reestablish myself. And then Fort Myers, basically, you know, I grew up an hour and a half north of here and I had to reestablish myself here as well. Right, right. So I want to start not at the very beginning, not when you were born, but I want to start like, didn't you play drums in a band called Tiger Tiger back in the day? I did. I did. We were rock was uh, the hardcore scene was was getting a little funky in 88. A few of us were starting to see the door. It was getting a little violent. Um, shows were constantly getting broken up. Crowds were getting kind of uncontrollable, which I love the chaos. But when, when you were 20 years old and I don't know, rock was really starting to hit and you heard Guns and Roses and the cult electric. It was like, you know, this is different. This is special. This is real. This is raw. This is almost like punk rock. Um, and I just had high aspirations to go to California. And that's why I left BP. I felt like we were just, we were getting, we were hitting that age 20, 21, 22, where you start doing different things and you start button heads. And I think the band was just kind of going nowhere. Um, and I wanted to be a professional musician. So I packed up all my shit and went out to uh, Huntington beach. I lasted a month, came right back home to Florida. I was like, yep, this sucks. <laughs> so, didn't, didn't like it out there, huh? No, but you know, to, to bring it all full circles, came back here floating around and this guy, Tony wise, God rest his soul. Um, came knocking on my door saying he had these group of guys from Tampa. We had a studio more, uh, not more sound, uh, Telstar in Sarasota. We had a studio at our leisure and, uh, we did the rock thing. Um, the great guys, they were like family to me. But probably, and oh my God, if they heard this, they would, they would cringe, but probably the music I'm least proud of. It just, when I look back, well-written songs, you could tell what we were listening to at the time, but great players, amazing players. But I don't know. I listen to it now. It's not timeless. The music is very, even though it wasn't really hair metal, it was more, it was hard rock. There was definitely an edge to it, but it it just, eh. you know, I, I listen back and I go, Yep, that's why hair metal. I will never stand by hair metal. I'm sorry. I know you. a lot of people love those bands, but there is a reason that there aren't radio stations that feature nothing but hair rock. It doesn't stand the test of time. Really? I, I didn't know you felt that way about it. I, I absolutely, I absolutely do. How many, you know, when you listen to having a radio background and programming for a very long time, how many bands from that era really stuck when you look at it you got your Motley Crues, you've got your Guns N' Roses, you got your Bon Jovis, Van Halen, I don't even put in that because they came in, what, 77, 78? Yeah, they're not in that category. 
Yeah, so I just don't, you know, really a lot of them were one hit wonders or or two songs. You know, all you have to do is listen to Hair Nation and go, God, some of it is terrible. It's just it's a bad. Lot, it's a lot bad of it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, what about just, what about Winger? <laughs> well, the, the thing is, well, Winger actually still gets some airplay. I mean, Winger Winger had some songs and he wrote for a lot of other bands as well. Um, yeah. And he had talented guys. You know, I, I, I believe balls with Winger. Oh, yeah. Why well, isn't it? Uh, oh, no, it was Slaughter. It was the guy in Slaughter that helped Ozzy get uh, Randy Rhodes, I believe. Or was that Jack Blades? It was one of those bands. But yeah, yeah. Very few of those bands have stood the test of time. It's the songs. It's just yeah. the songs. And I don't mean I like any or ill will. It's just me being a music critic, you know? Sure, sure. Now, what do you think about the bands today, though? Or Which any of them going to there's, there's, oh. there's a million bands out there right now, thanks to the internet and technology. I mean, what segment, you know? Yeah, well, the, the ones that are getting, yeah, the ones that are getting radio airplay now. I mean, do you really um, think they're going to be around in uh, I don't know. five years? You know, I don't know, and I have to really kind of walk delicately there because I'm still very involved with that scene. Um, some of these bands I know personally. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that honestly. I definitely think they're a whole lot of one-hit wonders. I think the rock revival thing is is fake. I don't think it's real. I don't think the retro rock is going to stick. Uh, every band that's kind of come up with that retro sound, you know, uh, the pseudo Zeppelin. Uh, there's another recent one that I won't name. They just sound like glorified cover bands to me, and you know they're not they're not sticking around. They're just not mm -hmm. going to do it. It's like, oh, that's a cool song. Wow, it's retro. It goes away. Mm -hmm. You know the uh, the the whole thing with the segment of rock that got mad at the uh, Seattle scene. Um, it, it kind of, I kind of feel like they deserved it. Like it, when it first came out, I thought it was good, but it wasn't anything. When I I, I will say this, being an old punk rock guy, when I was driving in my in my van and I heard smells like teen spirit come on the radio. First thing that went through my mind is went, is I went, these rock bands are dead. It's the, I said, that was the catchiest thing. It was different. It had balls. And I liked hearing that punk influence coming out of FM rock radio. And little did I know there'd be 25, 30 bands quickly following. And half of them 25, 30 years later, how many years do you want to say are still around? Those songs are top 50 songs in classic rock libraries across the country. And there's a reason for it. They're good. Yeah. See, I, I was never a Nirvana fan. Even no. when I first heard that I was to me, I, I would say out of that whole scene, Soundgarden. Well, I, I think Alice in Chains. Alice takes in the top Chains. There. Alice in Chains. I never was a Pearl Jam fan either. Don't care for them. All those bands <clears throat> have become icons. And, yeah. and again, when you, when you hear those songs, I, I personally, it doesn't take me back to the nineties. It's those songs are relevant today. It's not mm -hmm. nostalgia at all. And I think that's where you kind of have to sit back and go, wow, does it make you feel young again? When you hear that song, does it take you back to times in your life? Or do you just go, Hey, that's a good song. You don't have to like the band to like the song. I've always right. said a good song is a good song is a good song. Period. I, right. I don't care. I don't care who sang it. I don't care who the hell wrote it. Um, and that's why in another, you know, I'm so bad here, but that's why I can't stand new country. They are just rehashing all these old, great melodies, these old, great songs. My wife, if I ride with her and I let her put the country on, oh my God, I'll sing the rock song that they ripped it off of. And she just goes, oh my God, that's the same song. And I look at her with those eyes going, you think? <laughs> so well, let's, let's go back to tiger, tiger. 
All right. Your 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 glory days there, as you say. Just kidding. I was going to say, I, listen, no, <laughs> listen, I, I love those guys. Some of the best recordings I've done. I, I mean, it's, it's very hard for me to speak negatively. Um, but personally thinking about everything I've done in the past, that's the one I hate to say, and I'm probably the least proud of. Now, the reason I'm asking you about those, is because I, I think that was the early nineties, correct? No, 92, yeah. I believe we started that man in 89, 90, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because I had my band Peppermint Skydiver at that time, and we kind of played the same scene. I didn't. Okay. I didn't know you then, Mm-mm. but um, I remember. I, and I'm sorry, Joe. I don't remember the band either. But we were also playing nothing but Tampa at the time, I believe. Yeah, we we played mainly Sarasota and Tampa every now and then. Okay. But you know the Rocket Club, ML Chasers, all those. Oh yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I I have some recordings of a bunch of those bands from that time. Uncle Sally, remember them? Yeah, Tony was the uh, Tony had left Uncle Sally, or he had a fallout with Jeff, and that's how Tiger Tiger formed. And how how I let them name that band Tiger Tiger. I mean, I sh- that's terribly strong words. But I think back today, I go, God, I hate that name. I've hated that name since day one. How the Where'd hell you get could that we? Name? Have, it believe it or not, I think it was uh, kind of a joke. Uh, if I dude, my recall can be hairy sometimes. Um, Reno, the bass player, ironically, Reno, he, uh, he was somehow, he was just kind of saying a tiger, tiger, tiger. And he, and he, and he thought tiger, tiger. And at the time, you know, that 89, 90, some of the, the rock bands coming off the West coast, that danger, danger, there you go. You know, it, it was that dual name thing. Oh, it's so cool. But, um, you know, again, at the time I was yeah. 21, 22 years old and my hair was, I was already growing out. My hair from BP, you know, we were all starting to kind of grow our hair out a little bit. And it was, I was going, I was going the rock route. I was looking at making a living playing music. And so you did BP before Tiger Tiger. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, Jeff See, and I, I formed that, that band. Oh, Jeff and I formed that band when I was 15 years old. Jeff really? was picking me, Jeff was picking me up in my garage in Palmasola Park and taking me over to his house. And we were playing in his garage. He was on bass and guitar. He would switch back and forth, and I played his dad's old Slingerland drum set. And uh, his dad would keep Milwaukee's best beer in the fridge, and I would sneak some every once in a while. And we wrote, shit, a third of those songs off that record in that garage, just him and I. Jeff wrote, Jeff and I wrote most of the music together. And um, yeah, and that lasted 15 to 20 years old. California came back, and then Tiger Tiger came about a year afterwards. And then when you left that band, or when that band stopped, Tiger Tiger... What did you yeah. do after that? That's when I'm trying to think. That's when I went full on radio. And then I had stints with uh, a band called Black, B-L-A-K, mm-hmm. um, played livestock numerous times. They were that rap metal flavor, but legitimately almost got signed with that band. That band was the one, I would say out of all the bands, the one that should have got signed. I had it worked out. We had it recorded. We just had some stuff going for us. And we were doing huge crowds. Livestock, I think we had one of the biggest, next to like a stranger band or something that was legitimately signed. I want to say one of those last Livestocks, we played to like 5,000 people, which for a local band, the local stage was unheard of. And it sounds like it's a lot of braggadocious stuff, but I'm just trying to remember. Yeah. That was the yeah, one. That's cool. And you did you know, uh, I think it was Metal Edge, Paul, Gar- Paul Gargano. Do you remember yeah. him? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyway, Paul came up to me after that set and he goes, 
He says, dude, he says, uh, love the band or whatever. He said, I want you to send me uh, a press kit. I want you to get me, you know, photos, some, some music and all that. And here's my contact. I said, great. The problem with black is it was, it was impossible to get anybody to do anything. It was short of, we would rehearse four days a week, but getting the band to do anything. And that's collectively all four of us lazy, just absolutely lazy. So somehow we let it go. Next livestock, I ran into Paul Gargano because obviously working at 98 Rock. And I said, hey, Paul, I met you last year. I was with Van Black. And he goes, oh, I have never have a, I've never had a band not send me a press kit when I asked and walked away from me. Oh, embarrassing. Yeah. Yep. I felt, I, I mean, as a guy that was looking to make a career as music, I mean, I was in my mid-20s then. I felt six inches tall dude it was it. that, that you blew, you know what when you have the chance yep blew it <laughs> but that style was starting to get done to death so if we got signed there was internal problems with the band um it would have been a miserable experience had we signed and gone on the road together so you know sometimes you just have to look back at it and go you know it was probably a good thing it didn't happen yeah that's right? that that style kind of faded out quick that, yeah, uh, rock rap stuff. It was it was definitely black was metal. There, there was there was it was definitely more of a kind of a biohazard feel to it. Mm -hmm. So you know, stuck mojo. Um, and I wouldn't even say seven dust. Seven dust came came later. Actually, I remember Lejean from Seven Dust watching us. Uh, it was actually that big show I told you about. He was mm -hmm. uh, standing right behind me, uh, right behind the drum riser, and giving me the thumbs up, and I was. You know, I, that, you know, when you're young, you just kind of go, wow, that's a dude from seven us giving me coming to watch, watch my band, watch, watch me play. Yeah. It was, it was cool, man. It's, it's really great memories, great learning experiences. And now that we're all old geezers, you know, that's kind of what we have, um, you know, trying to, the bands are trying to relive their youth and Hey, let's get back together. And, you know, I, I kind of have the Henry Rollins theory. You know, who wants to go watch a, well, I'm not 55, but who wants to go, wants to go watch a 55-year-old gray guy get up and sing in front of Black Flag? And he's right. Yeah, it, well, it gets disappointing. I, I, you know, I think if he can still do it, though, I say, why not? Yeah. There's only a handful of them that can really do what they used to do, I think, though. Well, that's the problem, is so many of the bands that were writing songs when they were 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And that was their heyday and basically haven't done much since then. And then as 40, 50 year old businessmen or whatever, get up and try and get back together because they had a name 30 years ago. I don't know. There's just something about it. We, we, we got pressed and pressed to do the BP reunion. It was great. We, we packed out a place in Sarasota and Jeff and I were like, that's it. We're never doing this again. Yeah. This is, this is done. This is the, this is the special show. We played our asses off. I don't know how we pulled it off. And I go, that's it. Don't ever ask me again. It'll be, a, it'll be an enthusiastic no. I love you guys, but I'm done with this band. I yeah. can't sit there and be a 50-year-old, like at the time, 40-something-year-old 40, 40 guy playing a song called There's No Food in My House. Mom, mom don't care if I die. You know, it's like, it's ridiculous. I hear you. <laughs> so, all right. So then after, after um, you got into radio... Huh? Where did you start in radio? 98 Rock, man. One of the rock. best. WXTB Tampa. I learned under some of the best. Holy cow. Those days are, uh, those are goosebump days to me. Um, Brian Medlin, who 
was was backstage at a Tiger Tiger show. My wife and I just got a townhouse in Tampa. We were just my girlfriend at the time. And we had a spare room. And Brian was saying, oh, yeah, I got to find a place to live. And I looked at her and I went, do we want a roommate? And she said, why not? We offered him the place, became my best friend, best man at my wedding, got me into radio, 20-something year radio career, thanks to him. Um, I got accepted by all the big dogs at 98 Rock. They they didn't treat me like a little part-time, you know, we always called ourselves the part, part-time weekend slackers. We got treated, we got treated great there. Um, Greg Malt, brilliant program director. Uh, Brian was his right-hand man as music director, Ted Kamikaze, who's still in Tampa. He, he came out of retirement. Really? Ted came out of retirement. I don't know how many years ago. Yep. He's working for uh, the Beasley's wow. up there. Mm-hmm. I think he's the PD of the shark in Tampa. Hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, it's just <sighs> Scott Ledger who just recently passed, you know, we had been talking online and, and actually want to move back here. I, I hooked up, I went and hunted him down one time at a, at a bar in St. Pete. And uh, we sat there and had beers and talked about life. It was great. And uh, I posted a photo recently on Facebook when he passed. I go, that was the last time I spoke or saw Scott Ledger. Mm-hmm. But uh, 98 Rock was special, man. It was it was very, very special. I was there 91, 92 till about ni- uh, 92 to about 98. And that's when I took the full-time gig at YNF in Sarasota. Okay. And that, and. YNF that was that 1059 when you took over or did it no it was 1079 it was actually That's a right. worthwhile rock station until they butchered it and made it a <laughs> terrible I have no problem saying that was a terrible rock station and every single one of us who worked at that station will tell you it was a terrible rock station just the way and it was run no it was it was the it wasn't the program director's fault there was kind of a directive to we called it the bitch rock station because that's when the nineties, the, the, the nineties rock we look back to now, when you, when you think about Goo Goo Dolls and Matchbox 20 and all that, that was kind of coming out there. Rock radio was rock radio. It was hard rock radio. When you came from 98 rock, you were a hard rocker. And then one Oh seven, nine was kind of a mix of that active rock and classic rock. One Oh five, nine was positioned away from 98 rock and positioned more towards probably a 35 plus. And it was, it was just Alanis Morissette and Matchbox 20 and Goo Goo right. Dolls. And, and it was just, it was terrible. It was, it was, it never had good ratings and they decreased the signal. What? It was a 4,500 watt station. Just, it wasn't good. And that wasn't the fault of any PDs. Big Rig ran it. Brian Medlin ran it. Alex ran it. Um, nobody's fault. It was the directive of the guys that owned it. What yeah. do you think of the, the bone with their all talk format? I think. So I catch myself tuning in every once in a while when I'm making that trip north of Fort Myers, because you, you can actually catch it here sometimes. Oh, yeah. Um, there uh, I, I, I've known Cowhead. Excuse me. I've known Cowhead since the Cowhead Bubba days at 98 Rock. Um, the uh, one of the guys I absolutely don't like, and, and it's not my place on this show to say who sure. I just I just don't buy into it. It just it seems like. You know, when you want to hit that nerve, it's just constantly poking at that nerve just for any kind of reaction. And it, to me, the content, every time I've heard it, the content just isn't there. But um, I think it's a smart format. People who listen to satellite radio, which, you know, say what you will, there's a reason Sirius, Sirius and XM had to merge. 
You know, everybody said, oh, radio is going to die because of satellite radio. Well, how many satellite radio companies are there? One. After all these years, Sirius XM. Now, internet radio and podcasts, that's a totally different story. I'm talking, you know, back then when people who listen to that for long periods of time tend to listen to sports talk, news talk, right. stuff like that. So going back to your question, I think it's a great format because there's not a lot of competition. Yeah, what do they no, talk no about problem. on there? I've never heard it. What's that on the bone? Yeah. Oh, what, it's just all over the place. Now? Yeah, it's, it's just a it, bunch of different shows throughout the day. If you got Mike Kelta in the morning and you got a few others throughout the day, well, they just talk, you know, nothing special, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and and you can get lost in it. I, I'll be honest with you because of it, this is the most bizarre thing because I never really got I never was a, a big I love sports, but I was never big a big sports talk listener because again it goes back to this guy's just saying this to hit a nerve, you know, whether he means it or not. It's it's about ratings, it's about getting a reaction. And with the COVID crap and all the shutdown and everything, I found myself tuning into Fox Sports down here in Fort Myers a lot of the time because it was just all right, you know, I, I have my music and everything, but I want to know what's going on with these leagues. And and I started getting interested in in the talk. And some of it's very, very entertaining. You know, they had to get creative because until, you know, freaking Tom Brady went to Tampa, there was nothing to talk about in sports. So they had to come up with other avenues. And I found that very interesting. And I started hearing some really good content because they literally took nothing and made it into something that kept my interest, which is which is kind of hard, I think. What do you think of that move, Brady to Tampa? I, think I know you're brilliant. a big Steeler fan. I, I think it's brilliant. Well, yeah, you know, listen, Patriots aren't what they used to be. Brady isn't what he used to be. I mean, he's real close. I, I can't stand the guy, but honestly, I can't deny how good he is. Um, him going into NFC, he, running away from Mahomes, man. But I think uh, I love Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians is a fantastic coach, and uh, I think uh, I think Tampa could become a huge contender. I've always wanted to see a Pittsburgh Tampa Super Bowl. Always, you know, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But wow, you know, that's uh, I think the Tampa fans are are going to be going to be happy this year. Well, maybe you can get lucky and you'll see it this year in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. I doubt it. I don't think any of that stuff's coming back anytime soon. But hey, we can all uh, we can all hope, right? Right. So when um, after one oh five nine, after that, what happened with it? Did that just stop automatically? No, or what, what no. Happened? Actually, uh, it got worse. Um, well, I wouldn't say it got worse. So you went. You asked me about the bone. Right. So basically, mm -hmm. what they did, one oh five nine was an underperformer, an underachiever. I remember getting the phone call going. Hey, uh, Ronnie, I want, we wanted to see you in person, but you know, um, we, we just figured it's better to tell you now, uh, 105.9 is going away. Um, however, we want you to still be employed by us. We want you to be the program director of the sports station, the light station and the country station. And, uh, I originally said no, but they told me, yeah, we're going with this real radio format, which was kind of taking a hodgepodge of, uh, hot talk shows, so to speak. Uh, love doctors from West Palm, which I thought were very funny. Um, the monsters in the midday, I couldn't stand. Um, at that time, at that time, there just, there was just something about it, the cockiness. I just I didn't buy into, and maybe I was just you know kind of bitter that that's the format that took away the rock station. I don't know. 
could have been anything. Um, so it was that hot talk. And then it did, it did kind of act of rock alternative on the weekends. Well, what started happening is the rock music, the weekends were starting to do very well. And the talk was just kind of sitting there. So I don't know if that lasted two years, year and a half, two years. And we had this new GM, Sherry Carlson. And she said, um, you know, she's cracked some sort of joke about not having a job. She goes, however, we want to put a rock alternative station on, on that 105.9 frequency. And we want you to be the program director. And I almost shit my pants and I couldn't say yes fast enough. And that's how we got 105.9, the buzz, which became pretty damn successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that's when, uh, you and me got together in the mornings, correct? Yep. I had to get a staff together and man, you know, this, uh, this is really weird. I'm usually the interview. <laughs> I'm right, usually the right. one doing the interview and I <laughs> right. feel like I'm just sitting here, you know, it's like that one-sided conversation where I'm very uncomfortable because it's like, you go to a bar, you have some beers and next you know, it, everybody's blabbing and you realize I just talked about myself for five minutes without letting anybody speak. And you just kind of go. Damn it, that's terrible. No, no, you're doing good. This is great. Well, makes makes no, my job easy. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. I was gonna say it. I go, you realize what's gonna happen here? I'm just gonna take over because I don't know. I don't know any other way. It's it's yeah, no go. You, you're kind of wired. Um, Run with it. No, no, no. What happened was uh, I fortunately being connected in the Florida radio community, I was able to assemble what I feel is one of the strongest rock lineups for a small market station. Actually, Sarasota, more mid-market. Um, you know, uh, Dan out of um, Orlando, he was on uh, the big rock station there, JRR. Uh, got him to move to Sarasota. His mom lives in Port Charlotte or lived in Port Charlotte. I don't know if she's still there. But uh, it took some convincing because the money was great. But he, he, I said, listen, you can do four and out the door. I'm not asking you for anything except come here and be great. Be Big market talent in, in this medium market. So he accepted the job. Uh, Chrissy Matrick, who was at JRR also, she would uh, voice track. She would record her show from Orlando and put it in middays. And, um, you know, I needed a program assistant. I needed some help. I hired Meet because Meet did, did such a fantastic job at YNF. Uh, I brought him in. And when I switched to mornings, when we did the big switch, uh, I brought him as my co-host and my program assistant. And, uh you know, he stayed there two years after I did. So mm-hmm. he was, uh, he was crucial and meet and I are still very, very close. We, we talk all the time. Good, good. I should have meet on the show too. I should have had you both on the show. The oh, he's uh, dude, that dude is uh holy crap. He's got some stories as well. He is very active in music. He's got a, he's got a young daughter. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's just, uh, very, very heavy in the beer world. It's ironic that we both did radio together and we're both in the beer world. You know, at, at one time we were both beer salesmen. Um, I just thought that was, we like had parallel careers. So yeah, I always see him on his social media t- drinking these beers and. Oh yeah. The, uh, the beer chugs. I only did one yeah. of those. I only did one. Yeah. And it was like, I started getting over it real quick. I go, we're just watching the same damn thing. And, and listen, I, you know, I work with JJ Taylor and we sell the shit out of white claws. It's a very popular item. I don't like seltzer waters, but it's, it's huge and it's undeniable. Um, when I started seeing people, you know, chugging seltzer waters, I just kind of went, okay, I'm out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that had nothing to do with the product. It was just like, to me, it, it seemed like it defeated the purpose, you know? Yeah. Well, you guys were always great to last great hope back in the day and i oh, want yeah, to thank you for that you guys. I don't, 
Yeah, I mean, you you gave us a lot of opportunities. Always saw meat out at the shows. Yep. So, yeah. Thanks for the support back then. Absolutely, you guys deserved it. I mean, you were you were kind of it in Sarasota, man. I mean, you guys were the go to guys. You were upstanding guys. You were easy to work with, and you were a really good band. Really good band. They I were always, good. I always think about uh, uh, the Riverboat Gamblers thing. I just always think about the 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 show that didn't happen and um just uh the the way the local bands all kind of turned out for each other uh when when things were going well or when they you know just needed some support and fill a room and i think everybody was upstairs at that show at o'malley's just enjoying it. i looked around i go i think half the bands in sarasota are in attendance tonight so that was a makeup show wasn't it it was it was the rainout show yeah yeah Standing that was a there, great show Bob Harrigan out there because we had insurance. Son of a bitch. Did Kelly or, uh, or, uh, I don't even know what it was. Uh, I can't remember the NTR director, non-traditional revenue, you know, helped me put the concert together. And, uh, we flew those guys in and you guys were going to open it. And we had a couple thousand tickets sold. I mean, out there at the, at uh, what is that Kaiser over there? No, no. What campus was that? Was that the USF Sarasota campus? I don't even remember. Well, anyway, so to actually get the insurance money to cover the expenses that were doled out, it had to be a certain amount of rain had to fall and it had to be measured. Well, the station was tight with a weatherman and he was out there with the freaking rain gauge (laughs) and they stood out there in the rain till it finally hit the mark and we had record of it and uh, we were covered. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Well, that worked out because that was a great show that was packed and it was fun. It was so. super fun. Holy crap, man. That was, uh, that was a good time. Yep. That's definitely uh, high on my list. So I see all those flyers back on your wall there. Those yeah. all BP shows? Uh, yes. Those are Andy, who, uh, who did most of the artwork back then for No Clubs. Um, those were things that I've kept over the years. Uh, some are signed. The Suicidal actually got signed by Mike Beer in, um, in uh, Reno. Uh, but you know, that, that's kind of, as you see my drum kits here, that is kind of my little, um, don't forget where you came from, Yeah. you know, don't forget. And that this is where you started. You know, you did, you did that record when you were 18 years old. Um, these were your, some of your favorite bands at the time and your band's name is on it. That is uh, always be humbled and be thankful that you can look back and appreciate that. And I do. Good, man. Hey, listen, I'm going to play a song right now. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Uh-oh. But, okay. Yeah. But after the song, I'm going to see if you know who it is. All right. Let's hear it. All right. We're going to play this song.
All right, Ron, name that band. I have no idea. The uh, vocals are, it seems like it was very, as soon as I heard the vocals, I went, uh, I can't get it. I just can't. You want a hint? I have an idea. Uh, I'll take a hint. I believe it was back in the Tiger Tiger days. Maybe that's why I don't recognize it. I mean, it's, it, 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 on, it, sound, it actually sounded a bit like Tony Wise did on like some, uh, some uh, like uh, demo recordings. Because that's All what right, I kind of want. What's that? Nick, who, who do you think it is? Uh, I think it might be Sabotage. No. No? No, definitely not All Sabotage. Right. We used to play them on a coffee stain radio show. That's why I thought you might know it, Nick. But the name of that band was Dolores Telescope. Oh, uh, Dolores. Yeah. Casey. Right. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That, great show. That, there was a big discussion about what happened to those guys. Um, uh, they were the band out of Tampa that was handpicked to get signed and go national and do well. And uh, it was, I can't remember if the story was they just didn't want any part of it. They did their thing and that was it. Uh, but uh, it's. Good. Yeah, they were they were phenomenal. They were, uh, as you can tell by the song, they they were just rock enough and just I don't even want to use the word alternative. They were just they were that different band and they were in, entertaining. And uh, I remember seeing them at Giant yeah, excuse me, Janice Landing. Yeah, um, I think they opened up for somebody and they were just it, it was like this this is a national band, guys. This this is for real. Yeah, and wow. if you think about it, back in the early '90s, that song right there, that it's not really what was happening back then no Mm-mm. so good stuff by that band oh yeah yeah very uh very honored band from tampa they are they are definitely one of the most well-respected bands to this day from uh from the bay area tampa bay area all right so now we, that was kind of a, a little trivia question there for you but now right. we're going to play a trivia game how's that? i heard this was coming i was like <laughs> oh, oh crap. boy yeah, you realize I drink a lot, right? It's time for the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show Trivia Game, where we'll quiz our contestants on music and movie trivia from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. The first contestant to answer three questions correctly wins. All right, all right. Now, I will tell you, Nick has not won yet. All right. Well, well the first, first one was rigged. wasn't rigged. <laughs> well, and also, you know, it, it's... Uh, you know, I've been in music my entire life, but there's also segments, there's genres, there's areas that uh, I'm 10 times better in. Um, it just kind of depends on, hey, Nick, you might have a chance here, bud. <laughs> Last right, well, week I had a faulty buzzer. Ah, uh, is that what it was? <laughs> and, and we're still working this game show out, so. All right, no, sounds fun. I'm changing the rules as we go sometimes, so just be ready. And, and I'm not, and I'm not a sore loser either, so I take it, uh, take it with a grain of salt. That's a great thing about age these days. Right. Okay. So the rules are, if you know the answer, say your name and you'll get a chance to answer. Uh, now, if you get it wrong, if you buzz in and get it wrong, the other person gets the point. All right. Okay. First one to three wins. Oh, just to three. All right. Three. Yeah. This might <laughs> take a while. <laughs> All right. This is from, I'll give you the year from the seventies. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which band, and you've probably heard of them released their final album in May of 1970, a month after they officially broke up. Nick. Nick, that was quick. What do you got? Beatles. Yes, how'd you know that? I know everything. 
<laughs> All right, Ron. One nothing, yeah. Nick. Yeah. For some reason, I thought uh, Sergeant Pepper was 69, but I guess it would have been 70. All right. Ready? This is from the 70s. Or not, 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 not Sergeant Pepper. What the hell was the last one? It was. Uh, Let it be. No. Uh, wasn't wasn't the one with uh, Maxwell Silverhammer? Was that that was that Sergeant? No, that wasn't Sergeant Pepper. Don't know. Well, I'm not a huge Beatles fan. I, I never was. So. All right. A physics student and a dentistry student formed a band named Smile. What did they change their name to and release their debut album under in 1973? Oh, this one. <laughs> You've heard this, this before? Yeah, I have. Because the band Smile. Um, I guarantee I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna pull this one out of my ass. But I, I do I do know this one. Um, or I I I've heard this. Uh, Nick, now's your chance to go up. Yeah. This one. This one I don't know. Yeah, I got to concede. I'm not going to come up with it. All right. No points. Should I give the answer or no? Yeah. Yeah. The answer is Queen. Yep. There you okay. go. Yep. I just saw the movie last year, too. Was it good? I haven't seen it. Was, it, it, was, it was entertaining. It was excellent. I, I tell you, it, it, it moves quick. It, it doesn't get, it doesn't, you know, stay on stuff that bores you. It is literally the history of Queen in a blur. So it's very entertaining. It's a good movie. Did you see The Dirt? Yeah, I did. You didn't like it? I I liked it for the comedic value. Yeah. I was, to a degree, a big Motley Crue fan. The first two records, mm -hmm. they started losing me later in life, but I always went to see them. I, I thought they were that, they were that band. Um, and so I knew a lot of those stories anyway, you know, it was just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, everything that was going to happen. I go, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Oh, yep. I know this story. Oh, I know this story. So for me, it was just kind of, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a fun ride. Yeah. I think everybody knew, knew everything about what was going to happen, but yeah, it was fun. It was a fun yeah. movie. I thought. Yeah. It's, right, a, it's a good one and done. Okay. Back to this trivia game. All right. We're going to move into the eighties. This is an All easy right. one. Okay. All right. What was the first album ACDC released after the death of lead singer Bon Scott? And Ron. hold on, two part question. Okay. What year was it released? Ron. Ron, go. Highway to Hell, 1978. No. 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 Oh, well, bon Scott. I'm sorry. It's 80 and it's back uh, in black. Uh, uh. <laughs> Nick, what is uh, it? He, it's 80 and back in black. Just say it. Well, you got it wrong anyway. So Nick gets I that did? point. Right? I get yeah. the point. You said highway to hell. I did. I did. So I how many thinking, go ahead. How many points is that, Nick? Two. Two points for Nick. It was back in black in nineteen eighty. Yep. Yeah, I, I it's it's one of those things that I was thinking last one with Bon Scott instead of the one after Bon Scott. But I think yeah. my years were exactly on for both of those. So eat shit, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. We're gonna stay. I told you, Nick. <laughs> Might be my uh, night. Yeah. All right. We're going to stay in the 80s. In 1986, which Billboard Hot 100 number one song was by the Bengals? Nick. Oh, for the win, Nick chimes in. What, what do you got, Nick? Manic Monday? Just another Manic Monday? No. Oh. 
Ron, hey, you got hey, that point, hey, buddy. Oh, walk like it. an Egyptian. Yeah. Yes, yep. walk like an Egyptian. I was Two getting, to one. And, and uh. what's so funny is I was giving it a second, and I go, oh, I hope he says Manic Monday, and he did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I don't disappoint. He, <laughs> he got in your head. Because I think that right. Manic Monday came later, didn't it? Because Prince wrote that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that was their first one. I don't, I'm not sure, though. All right, we're going to stay in the 80s. All right. What 1983 Tom Cruise movie featured Bob Seger's old-time rock and roll? Well, I'll give Nick the point. This is Ron, and I'm saying Top Gun. <laughs> you were wrong, Ron. Oh, Nick. I that was when they were uh, in the bar. I can't, I th- I can't think of the name I of the I can't movie. believe neither one of you knew that. Oh, Risk, God. Risky business. Is. Yeah, risky <laughs> business with the underpants. You're right. Yeah, sliding <laughs> on the socks, you know. Yep. All right, man, you guys, Nick, congratulations. Yeah, That's your first win. Woo! I'd look. <laughs> it's all right, Ron. Oh, I don't care. <laughs> that's why that's what I'm saying. It's just kind of, you know, some of those old pop culture things. It's just, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, why, why, why are you trashing your room now? Why? why what's that? Mad? Why, why are you trashing <laughs> your room now? <laughs> I just kind of slide down in my chair going, looking around going, how the hell did I miss that? <laughs> Uh, that's fun. That's a new segment, like I said, for our podcast. You know, our podcast is only 10 episodes old. Yeah, I saw that. So I was kind of uh, looking back to see uh, who you had. And uh, I, for some reason, I thought this was something uh, something new to you for some of our online conversations. So, no, that's awesome, man. I had uh, I think it's uh, it's definitely an interesting thing these days. And uh, I think it's a good segment. A lot of people are doing very well with it. Um, so, yeah, yeah we, we do it for the fun. We yeah, had, um, I don't know if you knew the coffee stain radio show when I had the coffee stain website, mm-hmm. but we, we did a little radio show back then and had local bands come in and it was pretty much podcasting before podcasting. Yeah, sure. We recorded it on our hard drive and then, uh, yeah. uploaded it on, I think it was uh what real player format. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we, actually then, had, we actually had bands come in in the studio. They played live. It was, it was, co- co- it was pretty cool. How did you record the bands? Just with microphones into our mixer. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Microphones into, we, we mixer, a little... into our, uh, our um, Roland uh, digital recorder, whatever we had there. Oh, the Roland, yeah. the yeah. one that looked like a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, Is we had the... built a, a little studio in our garage back yeah. then. Oh, that's so awesome, we, man. We had a little control room and then a, you know, other room. It's amazing how far technology has come because, you know, when I look back and, um, I'm actually, my daughter's talking about moving out in the next two months and her room's bigger. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know if I want to move into that bigger room because I have much more stuff. But this tight configuration, it makes it real easy for me to record. As you can see, the drums are all mic'd up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, I'm going to be getting into uh, file sharing with some guys and we're going to do long distance recordings to where we're basically, you know, talking about songs over the phone. And then, uh, all right, going on. All right, I'm going to send you, you know, two and a half, three minutes of drums. You know, I'm going to give put the parts out there, get a structure of a song and go through it, send it back to me. And, uh, with the digital format, I can kind of cut it up and send it back and go, okay, how, how's this work? So mm-hmm. that's, that's my next, uh, escapade. We've, I've been dialing in the drums enough to Ooh. where I think I got just enough of a studio sound out of them real clear, definitive, uh, that, uh, you know, we can pass it off as some crap, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. Nick and I have been doing recording too. I'll send you some of those songs. Yeah. We've been doing kind of the same thing. Oh yeah, awesome. Are yeah. you doing them with uh, uh, electronic drums, or are you uh, logic? Yeah, I'm. I'm programming the drums. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
They sound pretty good. I'll send it to you. you yeah, can check it sounds it out. pretty good. Hey, man, those early metal records that came out of Tampa, the a lot of the death metal in that, that's what they were. They just flat out, you know, they would they would write the songs and then they'd have to go back and do uh, program the drums because they just couldn't get a good studio drum sound. You know, the budgets weren't there. So a lot of them did that. But they, you know, they always swore that they go, no, those those were the parts the drummer actually could play. But we use the drum sounds of a of a program drums. So. I always thought that, and I only confirmed that in the last year or two. I think it was something, I don't know if it was a, a movie, a bio of uh, Chuck from the band Death. And I don't, I, I'm not saying they did it, but I heard it was kind of a practice back then, especially. Uh, I did not are, know that. Yeah, the early days of death metal and that. Yeah, when you when you listen to some of that, you go, man, how'd they get those drum sounds? Oh, well, that's why, because they, yeah. <laughs> they were programmed. <laughs> that's fine. So, I got no problem with that whatsoever, man. So let's talk about Reno. So you were up there for a while. Seven um, years. Seven years, was it? Seven years. It was, um, yeah, man, that was, so the condensed version of this was with Clear Channel, they did budget cuts. And subsequently, there'd be a few more over the years. And uh, obviously, that's when we were going into the recession. It was 2007. It was Thanksgiving. And uh, 400 and something people in Clear Channel got laid off. I was one of four in my building, I believe. Um, it was it was tough, but the way the building was going at that time, I, I wasn't really that upset. It was weird. I, I, I loved the buzz, but the way the building used to be wonderful. It used to be that building. Monday morning, I ran to that building. I couldn't wait to get there to go to work. And towards the end there, it, it wasn't as, as much. But anyway, did Steel Can Alley. I thought... Build a bar from scratch. It's all my money. No partners. It's my risk reward. Um, things got to get better. Well, subsequently, year and a half later, the recession got worse. You know, you're in 2009 now and nobody had money. Nobody had money. It was so depressing. I was like, I've got to get out of Florida. I'm going to have to uh, look for, you know, I feel like I'm good at radio. Get a job. I sent out three or four resumes. That's it, Joe. And Reno came calling. And, um, mm. uh, I ended up at the big rock station out there, KDOT, which has been number one or number two consistently for years and years and years. And I'm talking overall in the market. It is the dominant radio station. Uh, Jave Patterson, incredible programmer, who's been in and out of that radio station a few times. Um, the people of Reno, just wonderful. Uh, it was depressed like Florida because Nevada got hit hard. So we got to see it build up. You know, we got to see Reno bloom and become this mecca uh now it's crowded the mm -hmm. the home i used to live in that i rented didn't own uh it's short sold for two hundred fifty eight thousand dollars when we were in it it sold last year for a half a million wow so quick the median home value of the neighborhood i lived in is four hundred fifty million uh, four hundred fifty thousand dollars and we were just looking at it tonight and uh it was just great man the every band passed through reno we became close with these guys. I mean, you could go see an Allison Chains show with 1,300 people. Where can you see Allison Chains yeah. with 1,300 people? Um, I wouldn't, you know, that's you when you started playing again out there, right? Oh, yeah. One of my all time favorite bands that I was in. Uh, I put together a band, and I say I because the guys will back me up. I assembled these guys from other bands. And uh, it started off as kind of a punk rock cover band. It actually started with uh, Alice Cooper's bass player, Chuck, is a very dear friend of mine. And he's from Reno. 
and him and I became really good friends. So as downtime from Alice, we were talking about starting a little side project. So I had a little studio at the house. He came over. I got this guitarist, Garrett uh, and Todd, and we only practiced once or twice. And it just wasn't going to, it wasn't Chuck. We weren't the guys that Chuck needs to be playing with. He's a professional touring musician. So the, those guys and I stayed together and we got a bass player who we subsequently replaced. And then this guy, Felix came in and told us one day, Felix was with this real popular band called Pinky Belansky in Reno. And he just told us one day, he goes, I'm coming to sing for your band. And we thought, well, that's cool as shit. And we became this band called the liver scars. And we went out and did 35, 40 minutes of all these great, iconic old punk rock, more rock and roll, like generation X and, uh, uh, dead boys and stuff like that. Motorhead, you know, we, we did the rock and roll yeah. punk rock stuff. Thanks. You know, we're writing original material and we became one of the big draws in Reno because it was nice. chaos. It nice. was, it, we looked like we were going to fight everybody in the room and it was a beer party, you know, not always proud of it. And one of the reasons we stopped playing, we never broke up. We just kind of stopped playing because the shows were just turning into shit shows. And, uh, hence the name liver scars. Yeah. Oh, we were, we were, we were well known for that. And, and it's, uh, and at the time it was a badge of honor, you know, it was, uh, some of the music we wrote right before we stopped playing th that last six months I was in Reno was some, some of my favorite songs in my career. And, uh, I miss those guys. That was the one band where us five guys always got along. We were super close friends. We still talk today and text messages and with, I love you guys. I mean, that's how close this band was. And I haven't been confident enough to find people in Southwest Florida um, to do that again with, because I had such a great experience with them. I'm really, and it's really sad. I'm scared to start another project because I'm scared. It's going to be half of what I did last. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. I don't end up in a band with a bunch of dicks. I'm yeah. not an easy guy. I admit it. I admit it to my family, my friends, but I have the same friends I've had for 35 years. Yeah. You know, I I'm very loyal, but when it comes to a band, there's a certain point where you have to do your part. You know, you can't come in unprepared. You got to show up. You know, if you're going to cancel practice, let somebody know an hour ahead of time. You know, shit happens. And there's a way to make it easy and not get bent out of shape. But, you know, coming in, not knowing parts, you know, just always having an excuse. I don't know. And and that's when it gets hard to be in a band with somebody, as you well know. Yeah. So I Florida's, have no interest in being in a band again. I do. do and that's my problem. Yeah. You know, I have this concept that I've been trying to put together and I've had a real hard time finding players for it. Um, and I think it's just age, you know, we're, we're up there in age now. And even though I can, for the most part, play circles around some of the younger guys, it's, uh, you know, I'm still a 50 yeah. year old guy up there on stage. It doesn't matter. That's, yeah. that's just the reality of it. So my, I'm not going to go out and play that old fart cover band stuff. At least I say that now. You know, I might bend and finally go, you know what? I, I want to play out in front of an audience. I've, I've just, I've got to bite the bullet and do it. Yeah. I mean, I think if you have that urge to play out, you, as long as you're having a good time, I mean, what, what's it matter what you're playing as long as you're happy about it? Well, that's the problem is I never had to go out and do that in my career. Yeah. And that's, you know, the punk rock cover thing was because that was a concept. That was something we wanted to do. That was like, no one goes out and plays these songs. We're going to go out and play these songs. People know these songs. They're fun songs and they're punk rock. They're not, they're not freaking Steve Miller band Joker, you know? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, Southwest Florida is full of older cover bands. 
And I find that very disturbing because there's a huge, huge rock audience here. Um, not much of an alternative or punk scene. That, you know, they're there. I know they're there, but not quite what I was used to. So, yeah, I'm st- I stick with the recording. I'm into that now. Yeah, <laughs> I like the recording a lot better. <laughs> no, I totally get it. Uh, there's some, just... some people like the live. You know, uh, Donnie, last great hope guitar player, he's still playing in bands, but he's doing country now. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. It's uh it's amazing how many how many the rock guys went into country. That was that was another thing that's kind of uh you know, going back to and I'm sorry I'm brutal on listen, you, the music that people like is the is the music you sure. like. I, I get sure. it. But I, I also can make fun of it. like the, the hair metal, I appreciate some of it, but seriously, a lot of those guys, you know what they're doing now? They're writing country music because mm-hmm. they couldn't they couldn't hack it in, in rock. They this kind of bubblegummy songs that they were writing just they don't translate anymore but yeah. they do in country they do a new country because that's it's the, yeah he, he he loves doing the country stuff but he's always been in the kind of that country thing too so oh I, yeah this was time. nothing this was nothing against him i mean yeah I no i, I, got I you. just the, the the amount of rock guys that that stepped into the country realm is uh, is definitely kind of uh kind of like wow you know didn't realize i mean hell the guy from uh uh morbid angel David Vincent. He's doing country. He was, he had a side, I don't know if he's still doing it. He had a side country act. Yep. He moved and, um, yep. There's the, if you go look up, I don't know what he called it, but, uh, if you look up David Vincent, you'll, you'll see his, his country project, you know, you know, when, uh, after last great hope and when Donnie went into country, he was actually the other guitar player in the band was, uh, Tommy Skeel from uh, Tesla. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So they were both playing in a country band out there in Port Charlotte for a while. No kidding. I didn't know Tommy was down here. Uh, Frank. I think he's in Northport. Yeah, I think he lives in Northport. Frank Hannon of Tesla was coming over to Reno quite a bit. He was friends with a guy named Greg Golden out there. And uh, Frank would play the clubs uh, or the bigger venues uh, quite frequently. Super nice guy. Super nice guy. And I guess Tesla's still out there doing it, you know. Um, And and they were, to me, Tesla's one of those bands, more of a rock and roll quality act. They they, they totally bypass anything that sounded uh, hair metal. You know, that's yeah, they, were, they were definitely not hair metal. No, no, not at all. There, to me, there's a very big difference uh, of, uh, you know, hair metal versus, you know, a rock and roll band. You right. know, you had Guns N' Roses and the Cult, and then you had, I don't know, uh, like you said, Danger Danger, or, uh, <laughs> or uh, I don't know, I can't even think of any. Tora, right Tora. Now. Yeah, no Tora, Tora. Shotgun Messiah, you know. <laughs> Winger. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, Winger, I think, was a little different, but uh I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. Can you imagine if a male artist put a song about a 17-year-old girl out right now? Oh, it wouldn't happen. No. no. It's so crazy. And like, even when you listen to uh, Dr. Love, you know, some of these old, or Christine 16, I'm sorry. You know, you hear these, and, and I'm, you know, those are years and years ago, but it's so far, it's like, how far did, did we propel ourselves forward or did we go backwards in music, you know? It's yeah. uh no, it, it would definitely not happen nowadays. And probably rightfully so, but you know, that's yeah. uh the fun in rock and roll is gone. The danger in rock and roll is gone. The danger, danger is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do miss the danger, but I, I and knowing a lot of these bands, I know why, because they can't survive. They die. They yeah. they would they would just die. And I've been told that. Um they gotta watch out for the careers. Bands used to be able to go on the road for three or four months out of the year, six months max. And uh, now you got to go out on the road for a cycle, eight, 10, eight, 10 months minimal to make money. 
Yeah, that's, a, that's their main source of money right now. Yeah, absolutely, up. that yeah. merch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're certainly not making uh, any music, uh, any money on your music. It's uh, it's very rare unless you own all. You, you, unless you own, you're like the guy that owns the 360. Like uh, I'm pretty sure, like the Five Finger guys, Five Finger Death Punch, um, Eleven Seven. I think Zoltan Guitars owns that label. So then Bad Wolves and, and such. So there's there's a lot of uh, it's a pretty big group there, and they're well run. They're you know, whether you like the band or not, that that company is uh, is one of the strong companies, and there's a reason for it, for sure. So you touched on a little bit about podcasting. Um, now, I thought you were doing the Pit podcast with Brian. What, we did. did. Try oh, it my, or what, what, well, here's, here's what happened. All right. So that was kind of a joke. So Brian came into town, and, and uh, he had to get out of D.C. Uh, it was just... Uh, you know, with the Corona scare, it was really prevalent up there. He wanted to come down and see his family and kind of get out of it for a while. And his brother lives right down the road from me. So we were drinking quite a bit. You know, I'd work and come home and then we'd drink a lot. And then the weekends, it'd be like a marathon, just like the old days. Well, we had talked about, all right, let's let's, let's have some fun. I got the studio. We'll set up another microphone and we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll relive the old days and just get drunk. And, and well, the problem was, is we weren't just drunk. We were shit faced huh. when we did that. And even listening back to it now, I just go, oh, my God. But I was like, oh, no, you know, Brian and I haven't done that in 20 years. So it was a a blast. It was a lot of fun. It it actually like 24 years. We had a we had a great time. But um, yeah, when you weren't really prepared, I mean, I made some, you know, pulled some music and stuff. But it was more or less kind of going, all right, well, I have this equipment. Let's let's do something with it. And that's kind of how that came And then Now to kind of go further with your question, Brian's in DC. He set up, he still does him and his wife do voiceover work. Um, we hooked up this whole Skype thing to where I can record Brian and actually he can send me his track. So we're doing the show. We're doing shit live, right. mm-hmm. but he's recording on his end. So he sends me his tracks. So I get his studio quality tracks from his side, match it up to what I got with Skype. And it sounds like we're in the studio together. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how we do it. Yeah, it's it's so easy. It's ridiculous. Now you know you can record right in Skype. Yeah. Well, the problem is, is I'm getting the the his processing will go from his end through Skype, whereas I'm getting the pure yeah file okay. from his end. Okay. And I'm po- I'm pointing. I guess you can't see me. I'm pointing like you're you're looking at. I talk with my hands now. Now that I'm getting old, it's like my oh, hands are no, everywhere. I'm gonna it. start knocking people out. <laughs> thought you were going to knock the camera over just then i dude it's ridiculous it's so ridiculous i get worse with age i don't get it well that's good so uh when do you think you're going to get that going uh we were supposed to do it a month ago um again with everything that's going on the business i'm in now uh we got busy again uh, you know doing beer sales uh, a lot of accounts a lot of changes and uh, it's just been a little harder for me to go okay sit down, focus, put this together. Um, I think a lot of it too was, I don't know if we really want to do the pit. There've been so many pits after us. We were the, if not one of the original shows called the pit. And it seems like every rock station in the country's had a show called the pit. We were trying to think of a little different format. Um, you know, him and I used to have great chemistry together. We talk every week, every week and a half, we call each other. Um, and it's just one of those, we're just trying to figure it out. You know, we just yeah. don't want to slop something together and put it out and be boring. We kind of want to, you know, we, we, we want to do it right. If we're going to do this, let's, let's have something that 
more than 10 people would actually find amusing, you know, or yeah. interesting. So yeah. when that happens, it happens. It's uh, We want it to be more organic than thought out, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Sure, sure. Well, when it gets out there, you know, I'm going to be listening. Well, I appreciate it, man. I, you know, I certainly got a respect for you guys and the love of, of music and doing stuff like this. And, and really, uh, with, with technology today, the creativity that people are finding they have is, is nothing short of amazing. You know, when I had time off, um, I took a, I had to take some time off from work during this whole shutdown and, uh, I kind of got to explore that. I, I learned video editing, you know, I, I listened to what other people were doing. I, I listened to, all right, people only want to listen for 10 minutes at a time, you know, and just, it, it was just really cool little tidbits and, you know, you just kind mm. of absorb it and figure out a good format. It's, it's not radio. It's no, it's this not. is a totally different beast. We could never be on radio, Nick and I. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've never but seen we, that. Usually we could barely do podcasts. Radio these days. You know, yeah. I don't want to slam, yeah, I, I don't want to so. I don't want to slam my industry career, the people in it, but there, there are some people on air that I've heard across the country that absolutely have no business being on air in radio, getting a paycheck for doing what they do. I'm sorry. There are some really good people out there that aren't working. And, uh, it just seems like, well, this dude drives the van to the car wash. So he's going to do a weekend air shift. Well, no, he's not an on-air talent. Get him off, get him off. That's the problem. It's gotta be a hard job. I mean, it's hard for me just to do this podcast sometimes. When it becomes, it, it eventually becomes second nature. And that's, that's the thing. And it takes, like anything, it takes time. It's like golf. It, you got to practice. You just, you have to, I, I'll put it to this way. I would love to take some young talent and coach. I may not be the best speaker anymore. And again, I keep saying this age thing, but I, 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 you know, I don't do it as a living anymore. So I have to really, when I sit down and do my air shifts, I have to really think about it. I mean, I'm still myself, but I'm not doing it every day where I can just flip the switch and, and I'm, and I'm Ron, you know, I mean, I'm yeah. just, I'm that guy. Now it takes me a minute. Like when I get up to do the shifts, I, I've got to kind of, all right, do my show prep and kind of do my, you know, make sure I'm enunciating. Um, but learning to stay away from crutches, having someone point out bad habits. Uh, the other thing that was a great trick was air check yourself. You know, when you do stuff, listen to this day, when I'm on air, I'm, you know, I will go back and listen to tracks. I want to make sure I'm putting my best foot forward. And I think there's just a lot of air talent out there that's not being coached. And yeah, there is, that's not their fault. That is not their fault. That is management's fault, period. I agree. And speaking of bad habits, I've noticed myself I have some bad habits. I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> but if you recognize I'll tell you what they just, are. Yeah. You don't know what they are. <laughs> I mean, if you're just cognizant of it. And listen, this is, um, they hated me when interns would come in Reno. Like uh, when, I, when I left KDOT, uh, it was another budget cut. I mean, after a certain amount of budget cuts, you got to stop doing what you're doing. Sure. And you're not, I wasn't getting fired for anything. No, they were legitimate budget cuts. But one of the last stations that I was at, they would have interns come in and number one, they're free labor. But number two, these kids are going to school for communications and they say, okay, what do you want to do with the intern today? What time do you want them? I go, I don't want an intern because I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell them. When they walk in my office, I'm going to say, turn around and run and don't ever think about a radio career. And I mean that with all my heart because it's, uh, we were in it at a great time, but it's heartbreaking now. I have so many friends who are looking for second careers because the radio's great, but 
the advertising, the free advertising online has budgets reduced. And it's not, I'm sorry, online advertising is not a, as effective right now. Um, it's stat after stat shows, you know, you can, you can target a listening group with the right stations with advertising, you know, radio was something, but now everybody just goes a cheap route. If you want to put your ad in with 1 million other ads, great, go ahead. Or you could, you could be in a commercial that runs twice an hour with three other companies. What would you rather have one in a million or one out of four? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's simple math. All right. Well, listen, Ron, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, I appreciate the interest, Joe. I mean, I wish you guys the best and, and really uh, reaching out to me. You know, we, we do go way back uh, as far as the music scene and specifically um, a place near and dear to my heart, Sarasota Bradenton. It will forever be home to me. Um, I just uh, I, I'm really appreciative that you took took some interest and hopefully I gave Definitely. you a little bit of a little bit of audible fodder, so to speak. Yeah, no, it was great. It was a great yeah, show. Good show. I mean, it, it was perfect. It was easy for me. You made it easy. Yeah, made I'm a easy, talker, Ron. man. That, why do you think <laughs> I went into sales, dude? It's it's uh, you know, and, and again, I should have said something at the beginning, but this is uh, this is hard for me. And and again, I'll just reiterate number two things. It, it feels like I'm just sitting here babbling on about myself, which I'm very uncomfortable with. Um, but but number two is commandeering your radio show or your uh, your podcast. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, you did. So you were so good, you thought it was a radio show, didn't you? <laughs> there you go. See? <laughs> See, all right, man. Well, listen, right, keep in touch. Um, Thanks, Ron. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely watch out for when you get your podcast going, and we'll check that out. I appreciate it. All the best to you guys. And uh, Nick, if we uh, if we ever cross paths, if you see me out somewhere, I mean, I know you're Port Charlotte, but I'd love to meet you sometime. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right, buddy. We'll see you guys later. Take all care, right, Ron. See you, man. That's all for this week. Join us next week for another episode of the Rock and Roll and Coffee Show podcast. Available on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.